Anytime you can have a little God smack played before you get up to preach, you know it's going to be a good Sunday. Someone said, I don't understand why y'all play the music so loud around here. Well, I don't understand why you don't like it loud. Man, I have enjoyed this series. The premise of the series is real, real simple. This book is full of people that we would look at and think God could never use those people. Yet God used those people to do great things. God can use anyone, anytime, anywhere. In a church like Action Church, I hear it almost every Sunday, man, I want to be used by God. I'm digging this church thing. Hey, I never was doing church before I walked in here. But Gary, I, I don't know that God can use me. Well, here's the deal. If you hang around here long enough, what you're going to realize is I am a broken record. God can use you. I believe it. I've seen it. The reality is I'm living it. God takes people that we think are unworthy by our human standards, and he says, man, that's the crazy person I'm going to use. Someone asked me one time, they said, man, why are you a broker? Someone, the joke around here is, man, they said, Gary's got about six sermons. And he puts different titles and different graphics with everyone. And here's the deal, I got about six sermons. Because I believe if you could grasp hold of those six messages, it would change your life. And I believe this one is one of the game-changing principles in your life. No matter how many times I preach it, no matter how many times I say it, no matter how many examples I give, for whatever reason, man, we don't believe it. We believe it when it comes to others, but we don't believe it when it comes to ourselves. Gary, I've heard what you've said, but you just don't know what I've done. Gary, Gary, I, I get that God uses messy people, but there's no way God can use me. Gary, you just, Gary, you just don't know what I've done. Gary, I can't even forgive myself. So there's no way God can forgive me. There, there has to be somebody more qualified. Someone who has it more together. Someone who has their ducks in a row. God just can't use me. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. I got to be honest with you. I've been doing this gig a long, long time. And I'm almost to the point where I just don't know how to do it anymore to prove my point that God can use you. I've shown example after example from this book. I've shared with you story after story of men God has used in this book and women God has used in this book. And I've shared stories of people that God has used in this crowd. And I've told you over and over, I've shown you that God has used murderers and he's used whores and he's used adulterers and drunks and liars and thieves and everything in between. And like good fake Christians on Sunday, we amen it. And we clap about it. And we hoop and holler about it. So oh, praise Jesus. That's so amazing. And we leave here not believing it. So today, I'm going to throw you a curveball. 
I'm not going to talk to you about a man that God used in the Bible. I'm not going to talk to you about a woman that God used in the Bible. And I want to close out with one last attempt to prove to you that God can use you. And this is so important to me. Because here's the deal. The problem with me is I'm smoking what I'm selling. I believe in this room is the group of people that can literally change our community. I believe in this room full of messy, broken, screwed up people that God has glued us together and the power in this room and the skill set in this room and the talent in this room and this group of people, if we were to get focused on what God has called us to do, there'd be nobody going to bed hungry in this community. There'd be nobody going to bed without a roof over their head in this community. I believe if the group in this, this room got together, I believe we could take on addictions head on and go all out war on it. I believe literally we could make a difference. I believe if the people in this room got their stuff together, we could create a place, and I believe we've already done that, but I believe we could create a place that more people would know they can come through these doors whether they believe there's a God or don't believe there's a God, they can come through these doors no matter their social standing, no matter their skin color, no matter their sexual preference, no matter whatever stigma that we put on people, whether they're Republican or Democrat, or whether they're rich or they're poor, or they're black or they're white or they're straight or they're gay, or whatever they can know, there's a place that loves them right where they're at. And not only is there a place that loves them right where they're at, there's a God who loves them right where they're at. Because the church loves to say, God will love you if... And God just says, I love you, period. We love to put standards on people. We love to put rules on people. But here's the deal. Until this group of people realizes that God can use them here, we can never make an impact there. You've got to get past your mindset that you're not worthy to be used. You've got to get past your mindset that your past defines your future. You've got to get past the mess in your life and realize that the mess in your life is probably setting you up for the greatest ministry in your life. We've got to have a mindset change from the negative to the positive. My God, we are a negative group of people. Man. Wonder, we wonder why our outlook on life is so horrible. It's because, man, our mindset is so horrible. I believe in this group of people, we can see a move of God like most people have only heard about. And so what I want to do today is show you that God can literally use anyone. And we're going to hang out in the Old Testament in a book called Numbers. We're going to hang out actually in Numbers 22, and if you don't have your Bible, it's cool. Verses will be up on the screen. But let me give you a little bit of back history here. In Numbers 22, we're introduced to a guy named Balaam. Now here's what Balaam was. Balaam was a sorcerer. For hire. You could hire Balaam and he could either put a good curse or he could put a, a bad curse or he could put a good blessing on someone. You don't like what someone's done to you, you come along, you hire Balaam, he throws his voodoo out on him and bad things happen. Man, you want to see someone be successful, you bring Balaam in, you throw him a couple of bucks, he goes out and he's a blessing to someone. So he's a sorcerer for hire. He could, ca he could cast curses, he could ca curse blessings and he did it all for money. He said, well, that seems like a weird thing to do with your power. Yeah, it is, but, you know, I'd probably do the same thing. So here's what's the deal. 
the Israelites are getting ready to attack Moab, okay? So King Balak of Moab, King Balak with an L, goes and hires Balaam with an M to curse Israel. He knows he cannot defeat the Israelites. And so what he does is he wants Balaam to come along. Don't miss this. And he wants him to throw out a curse on the Israelites. So what happens is the night before this is supposed to happen, Balaam goes to sleep and God appears to Balaam. Who's Balaam? He's a sorcerer that's hired. He's hired to put a curse on Israel. God appears to Balaam and tells him, do not do it. Do not curse my people. What does Balaam do? He gets up in the morning. He's like so many of us. We have a clear direction from God, a clear calling from God, but we know better than God. So Balaam says, I, I, that, that might have been God last night. Or it might have been that pizza I ate and I was just having bad dreams. I don't know. That might have been God. or You know, I had a little bit too much to drink last night. That might have been the whiskey talking. And so Balaam decides... I'm going to put the curse on Israel anyway. And then things get really interesting. Bible says in Numbers 22, Balaam got up in the morning, he saddled his donkey, and he went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the anger, can't read my notes here, the angel of the Lord, stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam says, I'm going to do what I want to do. God says, you're not going to do what you want to do. So he sends an angel of the Lord to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his servants were with him. Check this out. The angel of the Lord is standing there. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. So the only person who's so in tune with God right now is the donkey. Hello. The donkey sees the angel. The donkey goes off the road. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. We're going to get to that in a minute. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards. Second time. With the walls on both sides. Who sees it? The donkey sees it. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. God has told Balaam, do not go curse Israel. Balaam says, I know better than God. He sets off to curse. God sends an angel of the Lord. Balaam is so caught up in his own desires that he's missing the movement of God. And the only one who can see the angel of the Lord is a donkey. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in the narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. And when the who the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam. And he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And it said to Balaam, who said it? The donkey said it. What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? I'm riding my donkey, I'm cruising to give my curse, and all of a sudden the donkey starts talking to me. I'm probably now listening. Yeah. 
I don't know how the donkey spoke, unfortunately, because we have Shrek. I picture the donkey a lot like donkey from Shrek. That's just the way it is. I'm not saying that's accurate, but I believe it probably is pretty accurate. Balaam answered the donkey. This is what's weird to me. Like, I take it that the donkey speaking was not an odd thing. Because Balaam did not seem freaked out by the donkey talking. He said, you have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. So Balaam is talking to the donkey. It's a good story. Then the donkey, like the donkey starts reasoning with Balaam. Am I not your own donkey? Like, am I not your donkey, you know what I mean? Which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? He's like, am I not your regular ride? Like, do I have a history of not listening to you? Do I have a history of turning around? Do I have a history of crushing you into the wall? Do I have a history of just laying there and doing nothing? Hey, give me a little bit of credit. I'm your donkey. Like, this is the greatest conversation ever. No, he said. But I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess I should give you the benefit of the doubt, donkey. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed down low and he fell face down. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me three times. If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now but I would have spared it. He said, you ought to be glad the donkey turned away because had the donkey not turned away, I'd have killed you. The donkey literally saved Balaam's life. Balaam, who was being disobedient to God, saved his master's life. Balaam said to the angel, Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. And the angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went off with Balak's officials. I mean, I don't know about you, but this is an awesome story. Like, as I visualize this in my head, man, I mean, this is just whole nother level of cool. I mean, here he is, a guy who's in open rebellion. The angel of the Lord comes. He's still in open rebellion. And God says, i got to do something to get him back on track. And I, I look around, and I can't use a man to do it. And I can't use a woman to do it. I'm going to use that donkey to do it. And God used the donkey. Three times the donkey sees the angel. Three times Balaam loses it on the donkey Finally, the donkey has enough. The donkey says, listen, you ain't about to hit me again. Enough's enough. And throughout the course, it changes things. Now, here's the deal. It'd be cool to talk about the donkey, and we're going to. But it wouldn't be Action Church if we talked about the donkey in the context of the donkey. See, I just read to you from the New International Version of the Bible, which is an incredible modern translation of the Bible that we use almost every Sunday here at Action Church. But the first English Bible that was ever translated was the King James Version of the Bible. Back in 1611, 
1611, they had a different dialect and a different language than we had. So look how the Bible talks about it in the King James Version. The Bible says, And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass. That's what they called donkeys back in the day. And she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou sent me three times? I don't know about you. It's probably because I'm 42 years old, but I got the mindset of a 13-year-old. That just makes me chuckle. <laughs> the Bible says Balaam rode the ass. The Bible says that the ass spoke to Balaam. You're saying, I've got kids in the service right now. Well, good, you're, they're getting an English lesson. In 1611, a donkey was called an ass. Now, kids, don't go home and say it to your parents because they will knock your teeth down your throat. But I'm a pastor, and I can say it. It's legal. So here's the deal. When you tell me you're not fit to be used by God because of all the things you've done, all I can come to the conclusion is, is this. If God can use a dumb ass, he can use you. I just can't be used. So you're telling me God can use an ass, but he can't use you. But Gary, you don't know. So God used an ass, but he can't use you. But Gary, I got anger problems, but God used an ass. Gary, I got lying problems, but God used an ass. Gary, I'm an addict, but God used an ass. Don't tell me he can't use you. Amen. So let's look at the ass today. I also am under the no delusion that some of you will never be back to Action Church today. I'm okay with that, because here's what I know. You'll leave here knowing that if God can use an ass, he can use you. So when you go to the next church where they're more prim and they're more proper and they fake it a little bit better than we do on Sunday, you'll know as you're listening to that preacher, well, God can use that ass, he can use me. Someone told me last week, they said, I've got family and they won't come to this church because you cuss on Sunday. I said, well, man, I cuss on Monday too. I cuss on, I wasn't even going to point him out today. Listen, this is my, my, my orange theory coach down here. So I cuss so bad in Orange Theory. That's my workout thing I do. As you can tell, it, doesn't, it hasn't done much to me, you know. But, like, I was embarrassed because, like, a month and a half in, they were like, hey, what do you do for the pastor? <laughs> but, like, it's hard. Like, I don't want to run two miles in the morning. And I don't want to do burpees. And so I cussed. And then I got mad one day and threw my heart monitor across the room because it wasn't working. And then, like, this one lady won't work out next to me because she says I cuss too much. But here's the deal. Like, Listen, you might not like it on Sunday, but I've always said, if you don't like me on Sunday, you ain't going to like me Monday through Saturday because I just don't do fake real good. So you can go find a place that's a little more prim and a little bit more proper. Chances are I've hung out with your pastor. Chances are probably real good I had a drink with your pastor, and I've heard him cuss talking about some of the people in his church, possibly you. So listen, just because he's faking it on Sunday don't mean nothing. But let's get back to the sermon. If God can use a dumb ass, how can he use you? Well, let's look at some characteristics of an ass. The first thing you need to notice about the ass is the ass was available. I mean, this is a crazy story. Like I said, before Donkey, before Shrek, there was ass and Balaam. How has this not been made into a Pixar movie? Balaam is about to go and curse God's people. 
God comes to him, tells him not to do it. He does it anyway. God's looking for someone that he can use to stop it. The Bible says that Balaam's servants were with him, and for some reason God looked at him and said, I can't use those servants. There was King Balak's servants there too. Royalty are the, the commanders of King Balak's army, the Moab army with him. He looked at him and said, I can't use those. But when he looked at it, he said, but there's a donkey. And you know what he had to think to himself? Well, donkeys don't talk, and no one listens to donkey. He said, but you know, donkey ain't the smartest thing in the world, and the ass ain't the brightest thing in the world. But you know what the thing about that ass? He's available. He's there. Balaam's riding on him. If he's going to listen to anybody, I believe he's going to listen to an ass when an ass talks. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the field. Verse 25, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot. Verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam. Here's the deal. You know what made the ass qualified? It was just available. It didn't have a doctorate degree in theology. It hadn't been to a 10-week New Believers class. It hadn't grown up in church forever. It didn't know its catechisms from its theology, from its pre to post-trip, or whatever theological term you want to throw at. The donkey wasn't the smartest individual in the world. The donkey wasn't the greatest individual in the world. But bless God, the donkey, the ass, was available. God didn't have to worry about his pedigree. God didn't have to worry about the fact that he couldn't communicate. God wasn't even worried about the fact that he was an ass. He needed something done. He looked out over the scene. He said, who am I going to use? Who can fulfill my purpose? Bam! That ass can. You want to be used by God? Here's what I want you to realize today. Stop making excuses. Stop telling me all the reasons you're unqualified to be used. Stop telling me all the reasons you can't be used. Stop telling me about all the screw-ups in your life. And just look at it and say, man, but you know what? I'm available today. I know a lot of people that I look at and think are qualified, but those qualified people aren't willing to be used. God says, I'm just looking for somebody to be available. Somebody say, man, don't act like a bunch of white folks today. The only requirement for God to use you is whether or not you're willing to be used. Had a meeting with the lady this week. She's been attending our church for a while. She wanted to have coffee. I had coffee with her. And she said, tell me about your calling to Action Church. I looked at her and said, I don't know that I'm called to Action Church. She said, what? I said, I'm sure there's a lot more people more qualified than I am. I know there's a whole lot more people that could build it a whole lot bigger than I could. I said, I know there's a whole lot more people that got a whole lot better past and a whole lot better present than I do. I said, but I'm just stupid enough to be like, hey, until someone else wants to do it, I'm going to keep doing it. And, I said, hey, I've been doing it seven years. And ain't nobody stepped up and tried to take it up. Well, one guy did, but he's an idiot. And other than that, ain't nobody else stood up and tried to take it over. So I'm just here. And do I feel called? Yeah, I feel called. But really, at the end of the day, I just feel more available. And that's what God's looking for, is someone to be available. He's looking at you and saying, man, I'm waiting for you to go feed people, and I'm waiting for you to go clothe people, and I'm waiting for you to work with addicts, and I'm waiting for you to get a heart for children, and I'm waiting for you to get a heart for whatever it is that I've called you to do, and I'm not waiting to train you. I'm just waiting for you to be available and actually do it. 
The church makes it so complicated to be used. You got to look like we think you ought to look and act like we think you ought to act, and you got to be this and be that, and you got to fit our religion. Speak our insider language and know our secret handshake. And man, have your hair cut this way and your dress code that way. And you got to look like everyone else who shows up. And you got to believe like everyone else. And God just says, I just need someone who's available. I used an ass. And I can use you. I I used an ass. And I can use you. God can and will use anybody. I am so sick of the church having all their requirements on who can be used. I'm so sick of the church saying this person's qualified and that person. Here's the deal. We're all sinners saved by grace. He's got to jump through this hoop and stand on this foot one time and jump up and down and know how to do this twist and know how to do it before he can be used. And God said, I'm just looking for him to be available. I'm just looking for somebody to be available. God said, here's the deal. If I can't find a man to do it, if I can't find a woman to do it, I'll find an ass and I'll do it. Look what else he says. He says, so the the last will be first and the first will be last. He says that in Matthew. Well, we have all this pedigree we think that ought to be used. And God just says, I'm looking for somebody who's available, who wants to get out and fulfill the purpose I have for their life. Someone who wants to help people physically and spiritually and emotionally and mentally and whatever it is. That I, and because we all have different callings. We all have different callings. And that's what's beautiful about the body of Christ. When we all start living out our callings, man, together we're powerful. When I was a kid, there used to be this cartoon that came on called Voltron. Does anybody remember Voltron? Voltron was the stuff, man. It was like five metal robot lion things. And they were bad to the bone as five individual robot metal things or whatever. And they all had their own skill, the blue one and the red one and, and all that. But then all of a sudden, I don't know, I don't remember, they had like a little chant they would do. And they would come together. And all the robots would connect into one big robot. I got to get looped that toy. I got to get on eBay and find that. Uh, ain't it funny how you thought all this stuff was cool when you were a kid and you get it for your kids and they think it's horrible and stupid? Yeah. But um, I got to get, but together they were more powerful. Together, individually, we can go do amazing things. Together, we can change the world. He says this. He said, I tell you, if you keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Here's the deal. God doesn't need us. We need him. God said, if you ain't willing to do it, I'll find somebody to do it. His purposes will not be derailed. But I'll be danged. Golly jeepers, I'd be danged. I'll be damned if I'm going to let a rock crowd and be used instead of me being used. It ain't going to happen. I'm so sick and tired of churches gathering every Sunday and getting together in their holy huddle and the whole world around them dies and goes to hell. No. This ain't the prettiest group, it ain't the smartest group, it ain't the best looking group. Listen, it ain't the group that's got it all together. But at the end of the day, man, it's a group who's willing to do whatever it takes short of sin to reach those that are far from God. The Bible says some snatch them from the pits of hell. Listen, we're snatching people from the fire. We're the church where people who think they can't go into any other church know they can come in here and they can feel loved. And they can feel like I dealt with a person this week who's 
got a situation in their life that I have never dealt with in 20 years of being in ministry. And they, I'm not going to share their bit, but like, it was way outside of my knowledge level. And they said they got out of their car four weeks ago because their wife had said, man, I found a church for us. And they started to describe this guy. And I, I am, if I'm lying, I, I know it had to be my father-in-law. And they said, we saw this guy in the parking lot. And he was intimidating. He was big. He was, and she goes, I almost got back in the car. And we decided to come in. She goes, the guy was so friendly and so welcoming. And she goes, we walked through the doors. And she goes, we knew, I loved this, we knew we were home. Yeah. Hadn't heard the first song. Hadn't heard some redneck get up and preach yet. Hadn't seen all the mistakes we make around here, but someone loved them and someone made them feel welcome and someone let them know, hey, we know you don't feel accepted anywhere else because of some of the lifestyle choices you've made, but guess what? Welcome to the island of misfit toys. He was just available to be used. God's looking for people to be available. You know something else about the ass? Not only was the ass available, the ass ignored the opposition. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road and Balaam beat it. And it got back on the road. One time it got beat. When the donkey saw the, the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against the wall. So he, he being Balaam, beat the donkey again two times. Three times when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it laid down under Balaam, and he was angry, and he beat it with his staff. I love this part of the story. Not because I think you ought to abuse animals, but here's what I love about it. Three times the ass does what God tells it to do, and three times it faces opposition, and three times it gets back up, and it keeps on going. Criticism, opposition, people not believing in you, people saying you're never going to make it, people saying you can never be used, people saying you're not worthy. You ignore them and you keep on going because that's what asses do. Here's what's telling to me about that. We read on, as I told you, the ass and Balaam had been together a long time. It's always those closest to you who doubt you. It's always those that you think will support you the most. I've shared with you. I got family members. I've been at this gig for seven years. I've been in this community for almost 15. I got family members that won't darken the door of this church. I've got friends who will tell you, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. I've got a lot of people I don't even know who all the time love to tell me I shouldn't be doing what I do. Had somebody from my workout thing the other day. Someone said something. I saw the look across the room when they mentioned my name. It clicked in their head who I was. I saw it. I said, well, here we go. They didn't have the guts, the testicular fortitude, if you will, the first day. But the second day, there came the private message on Facebook. Hey, Gary, man, been enjoying working out with you. And, man, and I didn't know that was you and blah, blah, blah. But, but, but now I know it's you. Can I tell you some things that bother me? 
No. Like, why do I care what bothers you about me? So literally, I responded, no. That didn't stop them, so I don't know why they asked. Well, it just concerns me for the cause of the gospel, blah, blah. So I responded back. I said, man, thank you so much for all your stuff. I said, man, we, we feed people and we clothe people, and you know my favorite line. I said, hey, I'm so open to new ideas on how we can go about doing it. Do you have any ideas? Oh, no, I don't have any. I said, well, I like ours better then. So you can criticize it, you can oppose it, we're going to keep on doing it. So I make sure I try to work out next to that person all the time now. Now I want to cuss more at workout. Hey, the ass ignored the opposition. When you step out to do what God's called you to do, there will be opposition. There will be criticism. There will be people who don't believe in you, who don't think you can do it. Who cares? The ass just got back on the road. He didn't care that Balaam was beating him. He knew he had a vision. He knew he had a purpose. He knew he had a calling. And it was going to take more than getting beat with a stick to stop his calling. <laughs> when God uses an ass, you can rest assured there's going to be opposition. Here's something you need to realize today. People hate seeing you live out your purpose. They hate it. People hate Seeing someone live out their calling. You know why? Because most people aren't doing it, and misery loves company. I mean, literally, how many times do we rejoice in the success of others? Very rarely. But boy, we'll gossip and celebrate the failures of everybody. We love to be negative. We love to criticize, and they're going to criticize you. They're going to attack you. And here's what you need to They're just mad that they ain't living out their purpose. They want to bring, instead of them raising up to your level, they want to bring you down to their level. When God has a calling you, God tells you to step out and pursue some career, or God tells you to step out and pursue some relationship, or God tells you to reach out to someone, listen, get ready for the opposition. When you're doing nothing, they don't have anything to oppose you on. I dare say if you're not receiving criticism, you're not in the will of God. If people aren't criticizing what you're doing, because, man, as I read about Jesus, he was criticized nonstop. And guess who he was criticized by? The religious. The ones who ought to have been celebrating what he's doing were criticizing what he's doing. That's the beauty of knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know you're called by God to do what you're doing. Every time that I start to doubt, man, God just knows. God must, God, he, he just knows. All of a sudden, I get messages from people. Man, thank you for this, and thank you for that, and thank you for this. And hey, you don't know this, but this person who went to your church impacted me in this way, and, I, and, and they would have never been able to do that had you not in me. Listen, lives are being touched every week right here, so let them criticize. The ass ignored the opposition. They're going to criticize you. If a week, listen, I like, I start to get itchy, James. If like people, we don't get any criticism. I'm like, oh, we must not be doing, are we getting soft? Or are we, oh, no one's left lately? We must be doing something wrong. Phil's always like, quit running them off. I'm like, I ain't running them off. I'm just doing what God called us to do. There's a large church in our area. And they're looking for a place to hold a class for the Spanish-speaking people. And I heard through the I heard it through the grapevine that they were calling about this building and that building. And I was thinking, 
why don't they just use our building? Like we're right in freaking Little Mexico. Like they can use it for free. I heard they got turned down by this building. They got turned down by that building. So I knew one of the gentlemen on staff there. So I called him this week. I said, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Oh, man, what are you doing? I said, heard y'all were looking. Man, we're looking everywhere. I said, you ain't looking everywhere. What do you mean? I said, you know, you can use our building any time you want to. I said, I'll give you a key. You can come in. I said, matter of fact, because I'm feeling generous today, you ain't even got to pay rent on it. He said, well, you know that ain't going to happen. I said, why? He said, well, you know, Pastor so-and-so is never going to go for that. I'm not even bringing it up. I said, so what you're telling me is, is you'd rather not have a building to do the ministry you feel called instead of having a ministry. Right? He goes, he just don't agree with what you do. I said, I ain't asking him to support what we do. I said, just come do what you do in our building. He's never going to do that. I said, well, sucks to be you. Click. Like you're going to criticize so bad and oppose so bad that God's called you to do something. Listen, I, mean, I don't care where we meet. Listen, if the satanic church had a building down the road and they met on Saturday and we needed a building, I'd go in there and use it on Sunday. Pray them voodoo demons out there and turn that thing. I don't care. It's funny to me when the children of Israel escaped Egypt, they had been in slavery to Egypt all hundreds of years. And when they left, they got out in the wilderness and they built a tabernacle and they built a tabernacle with everything they took from Egypt. They didn't be like, I came from Egypt. We can't use that. You know. I remember hearing about this church in Colorado one time and a big CEO of Coors Light went to the church and they wanted to build a family life community center and they said, man, listen, Coors Light will write the check for all of it. He goes, we believe him. It was in the community wherever Coors Light is. And the church told him no. Coors Light called me up. I called the Coors Light building. Action Church, sponsored by Coors Light. That's what's wrong with this church right here. I preach on Jesus, they don't say nothing. I talk about Coors Light. Oh, God, praise Jesus. Amen. Mm. Listen, you bunch of drunkards, <laughs> there's going to be opposition. For every one positive you get, you're going to get ten negatives. Ignore the haters. Why do you give them time to hate? I, I, I want to figure out, I, I want to do a series on our mind called, I don't know what I'm, like, our, I, I'm just really into our mind, plays a lot of tricks on us here lately. And I'm convinced so much of our problem is our mind. Like, we listen to the haters and don't do what God's called. Like, like something I've really tried to work on is like, like I, I, I'm not getting on to you because I do it all the time. I am Gary Lamb and I am the king of it. I hate people. People suck. And then I wonder why my outlook on life is so negative. Because, like, people, don't, people are awesome. Some people suck. You know, but there's a lot of good people. But we, we, our mind sucks. My marriage sucks. My finances. Like, I'm trying. Like, I... As I start my day right, and I listen, I'm not getting on to you. I'm the, two weeks from now, I might be back to the old me. Now, I ain't got there yet with working out. Okay? Because I ain't going to lie to you. Since he's here, I ain't going to lie to you. I show up, they, they, they get scared when I walk in, the little girl behind the counter. Like, she only tell, I told her one day, I said, listen, don't tell me good morning. Tell more. I'm just going to walk in, check in, and sit down. I don't want to talk. I don't need your smile, little orange theory. Good morning. I don't like it here. Like they get mad, they're like, don't you love it? No, I don't like it here. 
but you tell me what to do for an hour and I do it because I'm going to die if I don't. You know? So I'm going to work on that too this week. I'm going to walk in here every day like, let's work out! So awesome! Oh, back to the opposition. Man, you've got to ignore the opposition. Man, Nehemiah in the Bible built a wall. He had opposition. David, David, King David had opposition from his brothers. His own brothers tried to be, take his throne from him. Daniel was mocked. Elijah had opposition. Moses had opposition. The religious leaders hated Jesus. When you step out to do what God's called you to do, baby, you better take it to the bank. There's going to be opposition. Holy smokes. In order to be willing to make a difference, you've got to fight past the opposition. You've got to operate with blinders on. I don't see what anyone else... I'm laser focused on what I'm laser focused on right now. I'm laser focused on three things right now. My relationship with God, you're not going to derail me from that. I am focused on my family, my wife. You're not, I don't care. What, I'm not, and I'm focused on the, the, the business endeavors that I'm doing right now. That's the three things. I don't have time to be sidetracked with any other thing. Because here's the problem. If I listen to the criticism, I listen to the, I get off course. And I'm trying to be disciplined. I'm trying to get up at 5 in the morning and pray and be in my Bible and focus every day on those three things. And it's a struggle, i got to be honest with you. And I, and I, and I was, I tell you all the time, I go to counseling. I was talking to my counselor. She goes, what's going to keep it straight this time? I said, well, this time I'm going to keep on trying to do it. Because my theory has always been things start going good. And I just quit doing those things that got me there. I'm good now. It's kind of like someone has mental issues or emotional issues and they quit taking I'm, I feel good. Well, you feel good because you've been taking your medicine. And now you quit taking your medicine you ain't good anymore. You know, ignore the opposition because they're everywhere. In all three of those areas, I got opposition everywhere. Who cares? Ignore them. If you want to be an ass who's used by God, be available. Ignore the opposition. And then last, we're going to go home because I'm hungry. The ass was in tune with God. The ass was in tune with God. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, verse 25. Verse 27, when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. There were servants there, Balaam was there, the king, king Moab's people was there. But only one person saw the angels of the Lord, the angel of the Lord. The ass. He was in tune with God. <laughs> Man, three times the ass saw what no one else saw. Three times the angel of God tried to stop Balaam. And Balaam was so caught up in his own selfishness, he couldn't see that God was clearly speaking to him. Balaam was so worried about what he wanted. Mm. Balaam. This ain't even in my notes. I'm going to sidetrack for a minute. But I still got to make up for two weeks ago when I was short. Balaam was so... <laughs> you thought that's funny, Chuck? Balaam was so in tune with what he wanted, he couldn't see what God wanted. So many of us are so consumed with what we want. We want to be angry. We want to be mad. We want to take this career. 
We want to be in this relationship. We want to do this. Man, we are selfish individuals. And God said, if you just get in tune with me, I would guide your steps. He says in Isaiah, I go before you and I make the crooked places straight. He said, I want to guide you and I want to lead you. And we think that we can get through whatever it is that we're going through on our own. And God says, if you would just turn to me. And I'm so bad about only turning to God when everything's bad. And I'm trying to get to that point where I'm turning to him when it's still good. But Balaam would not focus on God because he was focused on his own. He wanted to go make that cheddar. He said, I'm going to go throw this curse on Israel. I don't care that God told me last night not to do it. I didn't hear that because I'm focused on me. But the ass was in tune with God. Three times the ass saw the angel. Three times the ass tried to stop and get Balaam back. And sometimes, hey, hey, sometimes it takes an ass to get you back on track. Man, thank God for asses. But you never heard that in church. God was able to use the ass even though he's an ass because the ass was in tune with God. Never underestimate your personal relationship with God. Your relationship with God will be what you put into it. What you put into your marriage will be your marriage. What you put into your children will be your children. What you put into your career will be your career. So why would it be any different with our relationship with God? I just am mad at God. I'm angry with God. I don't feel connected to God. What are you doing with God? I never, I'm mad at God. And I, I've been mad at God, so I get it. But like, it's just a losing proposition. I'm not preaching at you today. I'm preaching with you. We got to be in tune with God. I can't tell you enough. Get in this book. Get in this book. In the day and time that we live in, there is no excuse not to be in this book. Man, everybody here has a smartphone. 99.9% because one of you are going to come out of that service and tell me you don't have one. Because you always got to be right. Majority have, go to your app store and download version. Y-O-U version. It's a free app, you cheapskate. It's free. In that app is every translation of the Bible you could ever want. But more important than that, there's so many Bible reading plans. You want to read the Bible in a year? Click on it, and it will give you the verses every day you need to read to get through. You want to get through the Bible in six months? You want to read the, the life of Jesus in 90 days? There's apps for that. You want to read the Proverbs in 30 days? It, it's like there's, it just sends it to you. Not only is there Bible reading plans everywhere, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of devotions on there. Whatever you're dealing with, click on one of the devotions. And guess what? Every day it'll send your new devotion to you. You got no excuse not to be in this book. I don't have time. You got time to do what you want to do. You got time to binge watch the new season of Orange is the New Black. I got time to research what I want to research. I got time to do what I want to do. Lord God knows you got time for spending nine and a half hours a day on Facebook. Take five minutes and get in this book. It will change your life. Man, get on your face in prayer. You want to get in tune with God? Communicate with God. 
Let him know your fears and let him know your anger and let him know your desires and let him know how thankful you are. You gotta argue with God. That's cool, man. I argue with God a lot. I go through periods where I'm mad. Hey, guess what? He's a big guy. He's a big daddy. He can take it. And it's amazing how every time I start back praying like I should, it always starts out of anger. I'm mad at you. And, I'm, and then the next day, I'm mad at you. And a couple of weeks later, it softens and it's, I don't understand, but I love you. And all of a sudden, man, that anger turns to praise. It might take months. It's just the discipline of doing what we got to do. Get in the book, get in prayer. And, and then, last of all, get in tune with God. Hey, check it out. Serve others. It's not about you. People suck. I hate people. Serve people. You'll really see they suck. <laughs> Serve them anyway. It's amazing. How your heart will open to people the more you serve them. Because at first you start serving for all the wrong reasons, and then they make you mad because they're taking advantage. And then you realize, I'm not serving for them, I'm serving because God called me to. They'll answer to God for taking advantage. I just do what I do. I posted this tacky little thing this week on Facebook. I thought it was cool, though. I think some of you read it. It talked about a guy was walking by a fire. Remember that? And he saw a snake in the fire. And he reached up and he grabbed the snake to save the snake. And the snake bit him. And the snake fell back in the fire. And he grabbed a stick. And he picked up the snake to get out of the fire. And the guy walked by and said, Why, why'd you save that snake? It bit you. He said, it's a snake's nature to attack. He said, it's my nature to help. I'm not letting its nature change my nature. I just changed the tool in which I did it with. Don't let crappy people stop you from living your purpose. You might need to learn an amazing thing called boundaries and go about how you do it different. But when you let other people's nature rob you of your nature, you're, you ain't hurting those people. They ain't thinking about you. You're hurting yourself. The ass was in tune with God. The ass was available. The ass ignored the opposition, and the ass was in tune with God. Hey, here's the deal. You won't hear this in any other church in America this week, I can promise you. Be an ass. Let's pray.